Welcome to another episode of Downton Gabby. This week we are discussing episode four of season four of Downton Abbey. I'm Brandi Sperry in Los Angeles. I'm Shannon Bowen in Oakland. And I'm Teresa Schechter in Brooklyn. So this week we have uh, yet another new maid. And I actually think this one might be promising, but I'm not quite sure what I think yet. She does have a sewing machine. That was pretty exciting. I think she's quite lovely. I really like her. Um, she seems kind of sad and yeah. sweet. I don't know what her relationship is to Thomas. Of course, that's the big mystery. But I was really interested in the fact that she has a sewing machine and knows how to use it. I wondered if she had taken one of those fallen woman sewing classes like Isabel was teaching. Yeah, I wonder. Maybe she is a fallen woman. And Well, how would Thomas know her? I mean, he never leaves the house. So that's why I was like, how could he have someone that he can blackmail? I thought maybe like she could be his sister. I don't know. Or, or, or like a cousin maybe. I don't know. They The way that they spoke to each other didn't really give us too many clues. It seems like, you know, she said, I'm grateful for this job and we both know why. So I guess he must know something about her, which, you know, gives credence to the whole fallen woman thing. But I mean, yeah, exactly. When has Thomas had a chance to like make any sort of connection with the outside world other than during the war when he was mostly surrounded by men? I think he knew her from his life before Downton, and I think that she used to be a prostitute, and I think she learned to sew um, in prostitutes uh, sewing school. <laughs> I love how specific that was. Yes. I thought you were just going to say prostitute school. I mean, no, it's prostitute. been a long time. Like, okay, so it's been almost 10 years since season one of this show, right? Right. In the timeline. And how long do we think Thomas had been at Downton in season one? At least a couple years. So... This has to be an an old thing, like maybe like a school friend and she's been in prison this whole time or something like we could get pretty dramatic here. I kind of like her. And, you know, her one attempt at being sort of um, evil and devious with Thomas didn't ring very true to me. Like it felt like she was kind of putting it on for his benefit, but she doesn't seem evil to me. No, she was totally cute when she was talking to Daisy about the sewing machine and stuff. She seems like maybe someone who got in with a bad crowd when she was young, but is a different person now, but has a reputation she's escaping. I don't know. It's it's actually sort of nice to have a little mystery that I feel like might actually go somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. Although Thomas's master plan seems so lame to me. Yeah, I mean, it's basically what? To become Carson someday? We still haven't seen him do an actual piece of work. I have no idea what the underbutler does because all we do is see him downstairs. I mean, we don't even see him interacting with the family, really, except when he was telling on the nanny. He has supervisory responsibilities. (laughs) Yeah, he's like the guy in office space who just wanders over and asks about your report. I swear (laughs) to God. Yeah, he's middle management. TPS reports yeah. from the footmen. He got the short end of the stick this season, I think, narrative-wise. Yeah, he needs a love affair. They're never going to give him a love affair. I, I'm definitely still hoping for it, but at this point it's like everybody else in the show gets even the most ridiculously boring love affair. And Thomas hasn't had anything since basically episode one, right, that mm-hmm. was real. 
that was any real sort of thing. It's sad. What would happen in episode one? Yeah. You know, oh, you remember he he made out with the guy who had the letters that uh, they burned. Right. Letters the, that proved that he was gay. The Duke of somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, yeah. That. Got yeah. it. <laughs> and he had that whole flirtation with Jimmy, which went nowhere, unfortunately. Right, but that wasn't really a romance, as much as we tried to will it into being with this podcast. <laughs> we desperately wanted something to happen. Desperately. What about what about young Peg? Oh God. <laughs> the unfortunately named young Peg. Young Peg. Um, let's talk about this little storyline, which is like so ridiculous that it wasn't wrapped up in one episode that we have to like wait with bated breath until next week to find out if Peg stole the letter knife. Oh, but it's kind of fun to like anything that keeps the Dowager and Isabel in the room together for all the like zingers is fine with me. And then, you know, after all our complaints about things getting too heavy, I don't mind a storyline that reminds me of like the roses or the tuxedo shirts or one of these like really inconsequential things that they can play up. I don't mind that. Yeah, I don't either. And I I like that the doctor has absolutely no need to be in any of these scenes, and yet he's there anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I'm hoping that him and Isabel rekindle their little, like, I, she just needs to wake up and realize he's a catch. Well, I think he's, he's hinting. He was, like, saying, you know, you are loved and things like that. And I'm thinking, oh, poor doctor. She's just not that into you. Is the guy who plays the doctor like Julian Fellows BFF in real life or something? Why is he still there? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He's in all of these scenes and I don't know why. <laughs> and there's no way the Dowager actually invited him to tea. No, nobody invited him to the opera singer. <laughs> nobody invited him to tea. A working man. I did like that the Dowager called Isabel out of like, it's always, you know, this isn't the end of the favors you're going to ask me each week as a new person I'm supposed to give a chance to. It was fun because, you know, she said a couple of really nice things about Isabel lately. And this was kind of like, okay, but enough's enough about that. Like you're bugging me, even though you're virtuous. So do we think that young Peg stole the letter opener? That's the real question. No, no, because I don't think this show is going to make Isabel actually have to question her faith in humanity in that particular way. It's going to be something really lame, like it shows up again or she finds it. I don't know. I Who can't knows? Believe May- I'm contemplating all the ways <laughs> the letter opener could come back. This is so silly. Maybe it'll be, what was the name of her weird butler? What's the Dowager's Oh, weird Sprat. Sprat. <laughs> I love him. Maybe maybe he thinks Peg's after his job now. <laughs> That's it. He's oh. sabotaging Peg by stealing the letter opener himself. I'm just really holding out for a young Peg and Thomas man-boy love affair. And then continuing with our downstairs adventures, such as they are. Alfred in the kitchen making tarts or savories or something. I mean, they must have been the best goddamn tasting tarts anybody's ever had. I mean, the amount that they talked about them was just like, I mean, could they have been that much better than when Daisy makes them? I don't know. It just makes me so sad for Daisy. The fact that Alfred can just sort of say, oh, I'm going to go to London and try this cooking school. And Daisy, who's like a thousand times better than him, I'm sure. 
you know, has to stay in the basement with Mrs. Patmore. Doesn't mm-hmm. even think that she could have other opportunities. Well, I, I know, it was like, all men that were in the the test thing. I think it was only open to men. I'm sure, I'm sure it was only open to men. Yeah. But I love the conversation between Alfred and the French chef. And I don't know, it was just kind of hilarious. It was hilarious, but there was definitely a part in the back of my brain that was like, if this were just a couple decades later, Julia Child could walk in and school all of you. She was still the only woman in her Cordon Bleu cooking class. Yes, I'm, but I'm always looking for that pioneer woman in like any storyline, any period storyline. I'm always like, but where's the one woman who would elbow her way in? Yeah. Well, I don't think it's going to be Daisy. I just don't think she has that kind of gumption. But I do feel sad for her, and I want her to, A, not pine out, you know, pine after Alfred. Go find a real guy. And, yeah, I don't know, build your career. Do something exciting. Well, maybe Daisy can make out with young Peg. How old is he, like 15 or something? I have no idea. I don't know. Who cares? We're talking way too much about young Peg. <laughs> I'm just saying, there hasn't been any, like, real fret. Fl- fresh blood for any of these people so we're 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 to the point where we have to think about peg that tells you something so then the other consequence of alfred's big dreams about his savories uh is poor mosley who i thought was semi-reasonable with carson to begin with that he had to think about you know it would be tough i i can imagine myself going back to an old workplace but being an underling when previously I had status. Not that easy. Uh, but he loses his entire opportunity to even come back to Downton because of this. And I was just like, how much more nonsense are we going to pile on poor Mosley? He's like Jerry slash Larry from Parks and Rec at this point. I love him more and more and more. Every episode he is in and every round of humiliation he has to suffer, I just love him more. And I think that he and Carson are just the most excellent comedy duo. And I just want to see the outtakes from their scenes together. (laughs) It would be awesome. Actually, yeah, the comic timing in those conversations was on point. Oh, they're they're just so, so good. I mean, the guy who plays Mosley is just brilliant, you know, to, to play him the way he does and all of the stammering and all of the... I mean, it's just really, really great acting. I would like to give him a lot of credit for the work he's doing. It's so good. Yes, probably. And Carson. Oh, I'm sorry you didn't accept the position last week. (laughs) Would have been stuck with you. Oh, so harsh. But I mean, Carson's coming from a place where he would basically be fine if one day it was commonplace to have to lick the master's shoes clean so he doesn't really understand (laughs) Mosley's perspective okay and and I guess last but definitely least the downstairs saga of our two tragic lovers Anna and Dave well confession I did cry in their reconciliation scene that's not saying much I cry at everything so um but I did it was nice I was I mean, touched, and I really feel like it was Anna's reaction that really I was touched by it, because you could just tell it was such a relief to finally talk about it. Yeah. yeah, everything about this is just continues to be frustrating for the reasons that we've made clear in the last few podcasts. You know, it's 
It's all about Bates. And now it's really all about Bates because Anna and Bates together are fine. But it's going to be his need for blood vengeance that drives this forward from this point on, which I just don't really need to see. Okay, you guys, just I just don't understand. First of all, I did not cry. I am so bored of the storyline. I am so tired of the exact same dialogue week after week after week. I do not understand how Bates has suddenly become this terrifying, vicious potential murderer. I have some thoughts. I actually have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> First <laughs> off, I totally noticed how in this episode, they started lighting him like a villain and giving him villain music. So, but I feel like Julian is jumping the shark as we speak because I think he's trying to do this big twist or that would be the only way to explain this because we spent four seasons believing that he is a wronged man. He is innocent. He's, you know, just always been wrongly accused and to believe in their love. And now that he's secretly this sinister villain and we've been tricked all along as well as, you know, along with Anna is like, this isn't damages. This is fucking Downton Abbey. So what are you doing? There's not going to be any twists because there are never any twists. And I just cannot believe that he, that Julian has so screwed with these characters to make them fit this storyline to be conveniently evil and dark and sinister. Sorry, I have no words. It's just so stupid and it's so fucking boring. It is so boring. I'm just going to just turn off the sound next time I see them together. <laughs> Can't take it anymore. Well, I'm glad well, that she stopped saying, I can't talk to you. You're fine. You're perfect. I mean, that was getting super repetitive, but I, I, okay. I've always been the biggest Bates hater and I'm okay. I mean, it's like, I don't like this storyline, but I'm not totally bored by it. So I'm kind of just interested to see what a big disaster this is going to turn into, I guess. It's why I'm paying attention. At least we know there's not going to be a child brought into this situation. Oh. I was very relieved to hear Mrs. Hughes say that they're not going down that road. Apparently Anna has informed her that she has received her monthly visitor and everything is fine on that front. Oh, thank God. That would have right. been That would be like, I mean, I know it's a thing that happens in real life, of course, like, and it would be terrible, but this is just not the venue to explore this. I I can't think of a storyline I would trust Julian Fellows with less than Anna dealing with her rape baby. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. 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 I was just pissed that, you know, Bates comes in and pins Mrs. Hughes in the corner, you know, and manipulates her to get the truth out, you know? And it's like, don't fuck with Mrs. Hughes. Do what? not fuck with her, Bates. I'm I'm sorry, but is this the same Mrs. Hughes that totally bluffed Edna? Now she's falling for the old I'm gonna be gone by morning. <laughs> like what? Yeah. Once again, Mrs. Hughes is required to be completely manipulated by Bates, even though you know that you don't fool with Mrs. Hughes because she sees you coming a mile away. Both both Julian Fellows and a lot of other people who watch Down who write recaps and stuff have a much higher opinion of Bates in general than we do. So I think there's just like there's something that we're missing. I don't know what we're missing, but 
I mean, I understand that, like, I'm legendary for hating Bates, and I continue to hate him. Um, <laughs> it is a thing of legend, Therese. I mean, we're gonna put it on your street. tombstone. Yeah, <laughs> no one hated Bates more than Therese. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, that's way too much time. I want to talk about them anyway. Okay. Well, I... let's let's move on to okay. This this new slash old vaguely cute nerd that showed up to talk to Mary. I don't know what I think about this guy <laughs> except for I was like, is this Matthew two point walking in right now? Now, seriously, do you not remember who Evelyn Napier is? No, I don't. You know, first I have to come in and explain to you all that Rosamond was married to a guy whose name was Painswick, <laughs> and she's now a widow. And now I have to remind you who Evelyn Napier is. I, de- I guess I should have rewatched season one before we did this. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> Shocked. So Evelyn Napier was in season one. Evelyn? I thought they said Ethan. No. <laughs> Evelyn. <laughs> like Evelyn Waugh, or however you pronounce it. Okay. Oh, oh right. okay, okay, okay. Got so, it. Evelyn was in the first season. He was one of Mary's suitors when they had that house party and they had the the Duke there and Evelyn was there and the Turk. Did Evelyn bring the Turk? Oh, Evelyn was the one that brought the Turk, Mr. Pamuk. Yeah. Oh. He brought him. And anyway, so Mary kind of liked Evelyn, but I think he had to marry someone rich. So that put the kibosh on any kind of Mary relationship. But he was the one who ended up telling Mary that the Turkish embassy received a letter from Downton. The one that outed Edith. Oh, my God. This is taking me back. This is taking me back to when this show was, like, good? so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's who he is. But he seems to he seems to have not found that rich heiress. And now that um, Mary owns half of Downton, I guess she's, you know interesting again but i have to say that i was genuinely i genuinely enjoyed seeing them greeting each other like real friendship and none of that like sort of cool facade that mary has so often well and in the scene she was wearing the brightest purple we've seen her wear so far in her post-morning age-appropriate power color i just have to say an aside that we were getting tweets from people being like don't you know that that's the appropriate color to wear after black yes (laughs) <laughs> we know i didn't know that but i do know about power colors yeah it was more of a it was more of a Mad Men tom and lorenzo reference than anything else so i do think we have another suitor in the running mm-hmm. i think so well, and the guy he brings with him in the next episode is even cuter so so but this is exciting mary's gonna have like a buck a bucket full of suitors uh what did you guys think of her crying over lord gilliam's letter I feel like we probably haven't seen the last of him, though. I mean, we've gone through this before with Lavinia. People can't quit Mary once they've had a little taste. So. <laughs> but do you think she was really upset about losing him, or was she upset that, you know, she lost his attention? I think she's confused. I think it was, a, it was a, the first time she had a vision of a future, and I think she's mourning that more than anything, you know, like the comment she made to Tom at the end of the episode when she said, uh, I think I might have just done something I'll regret for a very long time. It was more the idea that she was even thinking about a potential timeline where something non-Matthew related could happen, you know? 
Well, what did you guys think about Tom's announcement about moving to America? He's not going to America. I was really happy to hear him talk about his old beliefs, though, because I, I, I thought he's abandoned them. I mean, he, he used to stand for all these things, and he's now wearing, you know, tuxes to dinner and stuff. So I was kind of excited about it. Well, I would like to see him take an active interest in, in something political again, because I thought he was much more interesting that way. Just declaring himself a socialist every once in a while isn't quite enough. So it would be nice if he got all fired up again, but I don't see him going to America. Maybe for like an episode, like maybe when we get to the end of the season and it's going to be, you know, like the the Christmas special usually has a little time pass before. Like I could see us seeing like one episode of him on a trip and then he comes back kind of a thing. Right. Where he's just like, oh, I've decided that I'm really part of your family, la la la, after we get like one episode of him and Cora's brother like out in America, in in New York, <laughs> which would actually be great. I mean, I would love it if they did that. I don't want him to leave permanently, but a little like very special episode of Tom in America, I could totally watch. He's going to come back drinking orange juice, breakfast, <laughs> Remember when we thought Mary was going to go to America after she had a cowboy? Yeah, I was excited. That I do remember. Cowboys, I remember. (laughs) Evelyn, men named Evelyn (laughs) don't stay in your memory. No, 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 no. Cowboys, yes. Evelyn, no. Evelyn, no. Yeah. I like your note, though. Who the fuck is this guy? (laughs) I knew. I'm like, am I drunk? Like, when have we met this guy before? Oh. But the answer is yes, you probably were drunk when you I probably it. was drunk. But I also know that Mary likes nerds, so this guy has a chance. Oh, that's true. So what do we think about this farmer that's farmed the land since various historical figures that I don't know when they lived? Uh I don't know. I mean Lord Grantham is obviously a huge softy giving him all this money. He's like the worst businessman in the world. So like the guy's dad completely defaulted on his rent, hasn't paid rent in I don't know how long. And so now Lord Grantham is like, yeah, sure, you can take over and I'm going to give you more money. I do love your note here in the agenda tree. So it says, hope he ends up being cool and Edith doesn't try to have sex with him. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Oh my God, I totally didn't get that reference in the notes, but now I get it. When she seduced the farmer, Edith has gotten around. Like for supposedly the poor sister who never like gets any attention, she has made out with a lot of dudes since the show started. <laughs> it's... I totally think she's pregnant. I mean, she's very concerned about getting a letter from him. Goes up to a secret doctor's appointment. She's preggers. I want to um, point out that the doctor she saw was named Goldman who I feel is sufficiently Jewish that nobody from the family would ever go see him for anything, and she will never run into any other society people at Dr. Goldman's office. So you think that's a good detail? I think it's a great detail, yeah. Yeah, because all the doctors, especially the one that killed Sybil, they're all, you know, sir something of somewhere. Right. And this is like Dr. Goldman, who could have been, you know, my dentist when I was a child. So to close out this episode, we would be remiss if we didn't mention poor Mrs. Patmore and the stress that is being caused to her. I mean, a sewing machine and a refrigerator in one episode, 
This is pretty much the apocalypse. I keep thinking she's going to drop dead of a heart attack, like, any second. I mean, she's already, like, basically had a panic attack. They told her to calm down. And then they spring a refrigerator on her? Come on. First the mixer, then the sewing machine, then the refrigerator. It's cruel. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Crazy. Um, There was another thing, um, Randy, on the agenda, which was discussing why Lord Grantham would make when he calls himself Simon Legree, making an Uncle Tom. Yes! That really caught my eye when I, or my ear, I guess, when I was listening to it. I was like, did LG, which is what I call Lord Grantham in our agenda, (laughs) just make an Uncle Tom's Cabin reference? Because that is, like, the most American novel of all novels, in my brain, at least. And, uh, I guess at this point in downtime, it's a 70-year-old cultural reference, and it might be kind of like, I don't know, referencing... Gone with the Wind when you haven't actually read it or something like that. Like, it's not that hard. But I was just, it just seemed very out of his scope. I mean, we're we're joking about how he's reading, like, land use in Essex. Like, that's gotta be what he has, where his actual interests lie. I'm, I'm looking up because, you know, I really, uh, I really love researching things on the internet. And yeah. apparently... It was um, a huge, huge hit in in the UK. Really? Yeah, more than a million and a half copies were sold in England the year after its release. Hmm. Um, it sold as well in England as um, in the, in America. The books wow. were full of it, so this was a huge hit. Uh, in the UK, so I guess maybe it makes sense that he would be referenced. That is fascinating to me, actually. I'm Go so glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I found a piece of history that you guys are actually interested in. It means <laughs> a lot to me. <laughs> Apparently, according to Wikipedia, so you know it's true. Um, it says that one reason it was so popular in in Britain was because um, it allowed them to sneer at America. Um, I mean, I think that's why he read it because he's always bashing America, so that's probably why he read it. Well, and rightfully so on this particular issue. I'm not I'm not mad at anybody for feeling superior about not having slavery. Well, Uncle Tom's Cabin is kind of like the Michael Moore of its time. Yeah. Right? You know how the Europeans love Michael Moore because it satisfies all of their issues with the United States. So good catch, Brandy. Yeah. Oh, we learned something today. Awesome. Yeah. I don't have many thoughts on this episode, guys. I thought it was very much a filler episode and you know i really want more rose and i really want to follow edith more and i didn't get either of those so i'm kind of waiting for next episode and hope it's more you know lady centric it sounds like next episode rose is gonna throw a party for lord grantham which is i mean that sounds delightful to me i can't wait i love when they have parties I just love their party shows. I hope nobody gets raped and ruins it for everybody. Yeah, no rape, please. But I love the idea in particular of a party that is for Lord Grantham that is thrown by Rose. (laughs) It just just makes me smile to think of him having to sort of pretend that he loves what her idea of a good party is. (laughs) I think she's going to bring that jazz singer down. Oh, yeah. I think I would love to see him again. So other predictions, we think that Edith is going to get the news that the rabbit died. Well, I think the jazz singer is going to come to Downton, and I think Rose is going to make out with him in a hallway. 
Nice, and perhaps, perhaps Mary will kiss this Mr. Napier. I'm not sure. She seems ready to kiss people, which is good. So yeah, we just want a lot of making out to happen. We do. Yeah, I mean, honestly, guys, it's been a while since I made out with anybody. I just I'm living vicariously through television characters at this point. So, <laughs> hey, what do you what do you think happened to to Michael to to the boyfriend in Germany? What's happening with him? I don't I know. Hope it's he's okay. It seems like artificial tension at this point to me. Just like I'm pregnant, but I can't get a hold of him. And then later he'll be like, oh, darling, I'm so sorry. I was with the Sultan. I don't know. I was with the Fuhrer. <laughs> I hope it's not I'm with the Fuhrer. But, or, I mean, I don't know. Maybe his attic wife isn't quite as crazy as we think she is. Like, I don't know. I just hope it's not that he is avoiding her. You know, I don't want him to just disappear from her life because that would be the most cruel. I don't think he seems like the kind of guy who would set up that long of a con just to fuck somebody once and then go to Germany. I mean, come on. <laughs> he can't just be avoiding her, right? Anyway, I guess we'll find out soon enough. Thank you for listening. Hopefully we will have an answer to some of our questions next week. And in the meantime, you can talk to us on Twitter at Downton Gabby. You can find us on Facebook by searching Downton Gabby and you can see our previous podcasts and all sorts of fun posts on Tumblr by searching downgabby.tumblr.com. And if you listen to us on iTunes, we would love a rating if you have the time and if you are feeling generous. Summertime is just a lazy 